Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. With Tesco, where you won't pay more for the products that matter most to you. Tesco, every little helps. We are now going to chat about what made news uh, in Limerick and beyond over um, the year just past or just about past. And joining me in the studio to help us do that is uh, David Hurley of the Limerick Leader. You're welcome, David, and uh, Morning, Merry Joe. Christmas to you. Mary Dunton from the School of Journalism at the University of Limerick. You're Morning, welcome, Joe. Mary. And Live 95's uh, head of news, Gillian Devlin, is here as well, and you are welcome. Um, Thanks, okay, so the first thing we must talk about is Greg O'Shea, Gillian, because Greg O'Shea. <laughs> made probably the big international headlines for Limerick this year by winning Love Island with Amber. Well, it seems to be the most watched show uh, on the planet, Love Island. So what everybody's talking about, it's still making news headlines. We heard Ronan in the 11 o'clock news reporting the fact that uh, Caroline Flax arrived at court because she's a former presenter of it. People are watching this show in absolutely colossal numbers and it's really unusual because live TV isn't a thing anymore. Young people watch YouTube, they watch Netflix, they don't sit down and watch live TV. And this formula, which in fairness, the formula has existed for a long time, but I suppose in terms of, you know, reality TV, but they've changed it up a little bit. Whatever way they do it, people watch it in massive, massive numbers um, across the summer. And soon we're going to be watching it in the winter, we're told as well, um, with a new winter series starting. So, you know, it, it was just this phenomenon for people who don't watch it because there's so many people out there who claim they don't watch it and, claim, and are delighted to announce that they know absolutely nothing about it. They, you know, dripping with disdain because they think it's absolute rubbish. TV. I probably was one of those people until I got dragged into it and then I actually saw a certain value to it because I think you know there are a lot of teenagers watching it and it talks about yeah, it shows a lot about relationships and it gives an opportunity for parents to discuss relationship issues with their teenagers who would never talk to them about that stuff in any other shape or format they just because teens don't want to talk to their parents about boyfriends and girlfriends and stuff like that. But when you're kind of saying, oh, Rose and uh, Maura Higgins and uh, Curtis, would you put up with that? Or would you put up with uh, Tommy and Molly and all that kind of stuff? Uh, They'll have those chats. So we were all taken aback then when we were watching it in these huge numbers towards the end of the show when this surprise guest came in and it was a Limerick person. Obviously, we knew here shortly before that he was going on. um, But it was the last thing you kind of expect because mostly British show, uh, mostly British contestants in it. To have uh, an Irish person in it, we had Maura in it already, but to have somebody from Limerick and then for him to win it after only been in it for a a few weeks, he became a huge star in Limerick overnight like that and uh, in, in the UK as well. Massive followers, Instagram, the whole lot. How long is Celebrity a last internationally? I don't know. But I think he's going to be a star in Limerick for a very, very long time to come because he, he'll also be remembered for his, you know, his his rugby prowess as well. The fact that he's a rugby player as well. And he's, I've been covering him in the sports bulletins, playing in the rugby sevens. Um, I think people will remember the name Greg O'Shea in Limerick for a long time to come. Were you riveted, David? Joe, it's the most hyped about two-week holiday I've ever heard about. 
Well, come on, Dave. It was a big story. It, oh, absolutely, it was a big story. And I said, I mean, obviously, you know, the the the, the PR machine of Virgin Media and ITV was uh, in overdrive for the six or seven weeks that it was on. And uh, you know, it, we all knew exactly what was happening. We all um, were aware that this rugby player from Limerick uh, was about to enter the villa. And uh, as I said, the, there was uh, six hundred thousand people watched the fin- final in, in Ireland alone. So, from that point of view, absolutely fantastic. I mean, Greg has been a very good ambassador for Limerick. I suppose is the one positive thing. The scenes at Shannon Airport on his return were absolutely phenomenal. Um, he's really, really well liked, and uh, I suppose that there were divided opinions amongst some of the other contestants in in the villa. But Greg seems to have uh, and Maura definitely were the two stars of the show. And uh, Ovi as well. Ovi was great. And definitely, I think the the whether you like it or don't like it, you have to have um, some bit of uh, a respect for, for for Greg and the way he has handled himself and the way that he has always insisted that rugby was what he wanted to do and didn't get consumed by the celebrity. I know, but like, I mean, the local media, we all bought into it. So we were all there for the homecoming, you know. Well, oh, absolutely, you know, but, but, I mean, but it, was a, it was a big, big thing. Oh, it's a massive thing. As I said, he has definitely put Limerick on the map, and I think the fact that he has stayed around Limerick largely, I know he, he's based in Dublin doing his law degree and a few other things, but he, he's a regular f- site here in Limerick, and that, that is, I suppose, something to be very... Uh, conscious of that he hasn't abandoned his hometown so to speak because of the celebrity yeah no i mean you deal with uh, young media people all the time mary so what about greg o'shea and love island in that context well i mean i'm one of those people Gillian. i have to put my hand up to say i never watched it because we were on holidays for the summer but well, would you once have i went it, back greg? um well once i went back and a bit like Gillian, i was talking to the young people about it and i realized how important it was and that it did. It wasn't just an old celebrity show that it, 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 they did talk about their emotions. But I think the brilliant thing was, like David said, was Greg O'Shea was very down to earth. He didn't let the thing go to his head. He wasn't one of these like celebrity candidates. And I just think it was brilliant for Limerick. As you said, they're mostly UK people in it and that this young rugby player beat everyone else and as David said, it hasn't gone to his head, so I think it was good all around. Yeah, I understand Amber has, has definitely broken the one million mark in terms of her earnings already, but Greg doesn't seem as interested in making money directly from it. No, I do think, and I think he has said this on numerous occasions in interviews and elsewhere, that the, the Olympics and the Rugby Sevens is a priority for him. And I do think that he, we, we've seen, as Gillian said, he, he's back performing on the field of play for the last few weeks. So I do think he has made a conscious decision that no matter what he's offered or what, what it involves, he wants and he has a personal goal of playing at the Olympics in Japan next year. OK. All right. Well, it was very interesting to see him do so well anyway. And uh, best of luck to him. Uh, now, the University of Limerick uh, agreed to buy the old Dunn Stores building in Limerick City Centre uh, during the year. The mayor at the time was James Collins. So I've been working closely with Limerick City and County Council and the University of Limerick to provide a city centre campus for UL and I think the vacant Dunstore shopping centre will be an ideal Riverside campus for UL students to provide a presence in the city centre, a badly needed presence in the city centre. This will remove one of the biggest eyesores in the city centre, provide trade to the shops, the cafes, the restaurants and I think just really provide footfall to badly needed footfall to our city centre businesses. How big a deal is this, obviously, as someone who's out in UL? It is a big deal, David, because um, as you know, or um, as David, we were saying there, UL has been trying to get a presence in the city for about 30 years. 
uh, it was dragged out in the opera centre and I think they just got fed up and they went away and bought their own site and people were delighted. We're all delighted outside because we do want to have a presence in the city and I think it's important that uh, if you're bringing in, they're saying about 2,000 students, they're all going to be uh, eating, they're going to be living here, they're going to be going out. It's going to give a good business boost to the city centre. So I think it's a win-win all round and they're saying they're hoping to have it up and running in three years. So hopefully there won't be any objections to it. Yeah, it's one of those stories that has been around for quite a long time. You know, we've been looking at that eyesore for such a long time, people complaining about uh, the fact that it was vacant and it was such a prime location. Also, the story that UL was moving into the deal. A lot of cynics say, believed that UL had no interest in moving in because it just never happened. Well, this has proved all the cynics wrong. And as Mary says, that having that extra life and that vibrancy will be a huge plus. People have often said as well, you know, it's the difference between Limerick and Galway. The fact that UL is so far outside of the city means the city lacks that youth and that vibrancy, um, which now hopefully will change with having uh, that that unit there. What I did think was lovely was the the opportunity they, they gave for media to go in and we posted a video of the inside of the old Duns and the memories that came flooding back of having been in there doing doing the shopping in there and the the, the old Harry's coffee shop on the, the ground floor and you know you just kind of think it's so different to what they have there at Harvey's Key now but uh, it's it's a real real good news story for Limerick. Yeah I mean you'll correct me if I'm wrong here but the 2030 plan that was launched about 2013 wasn't it and now the 1st of January is the 1st of January 2020. I mean we are entering a pivotal pivotal time for Limerick as a whole and Limerick City Centre in particular Dave. Absolutely. I mean, as I said, it's, 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 there's going to be massive investment over the next couple of years, both public and private investment. And uh, we, this is, I suppose, it's, it's from a, a, a external viewpoint, this is not just a city centre location. It's a prime riverside city location. So it's actually, you know, I think it possibly is better than being at the opera site because you have that River Shannon Association, you're next to the, the, the rowing club, and I think the potential is absolutely phenomenal. I, I know that the, the planning process is underway to, to unveil the, the, the proposals for the site, but uh, it's going to be one of a number of very, very significant projects in Limerick over, over the next decade. As you said, the 2030 plan, the 2040 plan, and the motorway, the Adair bypass, these are all feeding into what we're now seeing, and we've spoken about it for for as long as as I can remember, about boots on the ground, about actual buildings taking place. Now we're seeing that to actually move around. Yeah, I mean, the Gardens International thing on Henry Street, mm. uh, a lot of excitement about that. Mm. You know, it's mm. up and running, which is a very good mm. thing. But mm. what is the oh, yeah. question that I'm now hearing people you, ask yeah. around town? You know the thing uh, that you don't see in Limerick? You don't see any more cranes. If you go to Cork or Dublin, there's loads of cranes. And I know there are all these plans and they're in the pipeline and so many workers came into the garden centre but I think people and business people still feel a bit disillusioned because while all these things are promised we don't really see anything concrete on the ground aside from that garden centre and you know nobody knows what's going to happen with the opera centre uh, you know, it's in the hands of Borplanala now, you know. So I think there's a, people are a little bit disillusioned, you know. Do we know how many jobs are coming into or out of Gardens International? Does anyone have a sense of that? 
I think it's somewhere in the region of 600. Uh, Are they in there now? Well, I I don't know if if it's up to full capacity. I I think there's a doubt about the numbers that are actually in there at the moment. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I I don't know how many are in there at the moment, but that that was certainly around the figure that was was mooted or suggested. And I I, I, I think that was the... was the potential for to bring 600 new jobs to Limerick but because the space was there for them but the reality of it is the the main company that has gone in there uh, already existed in Limerick anyway yes it's going to expand its numbers but it, that there, Norwegian there is a company. question yeah yeah, yeah nor um, aviation capital so there is a question mark over uh, in the final analysis when every office space is filled in gardens international will we have an extra 600 jobs in limerick that we didn't have before i would have my doubts that it would will reach that full potential you don't want to speak negatively about it because it's wonderful that it was completed. I know it was another one of those eyesores for a very long time. And certainly they're a very strong company and they wouldn't have been able to expand to the level that they wanted to in their uh, previous offices on Henry Street. So it's good they've moved across the road. But yes, we want to see more. Some of the promises made in the early stages of a hanging garden, gardens perhaps were a little bit too optimistic in terms, you know, I was getting visions of loads of people on the streets of uh, Limerick going shopping and new shops opening left, right and centre and everything. Retail moves much slower than that now. So yes, there probably is a little bit of extra footfall, but it doesn't necessarily mean we're suddenly going to get a Marks and Spencer's department store uh, opening because of it or any other stores opening. But there have there ha- some businesses in the locality will say that there's been a bit of pick up. You'll notice a couple of the, the pubs have done themselves up and a few of the, you know, they spotted, you know, that's a good location. That area of town was much, much quieter go back five years ago. Yeah. It's busier now. So they were right in predicting that, you know, developing those offices would give a boost to the city. People just have to manage their expectations. Nothing's going to change overnight. Yeah, I mean, the O'Connell Street revitalization plan as well, which attracted its own controversy, seems to be moving forward one way or the other, Mary. Yeah, it does. Um, but, you know, I just think, again, I'm not a planner. Uh, if you look at a lot of European cities they really need to take the traffic out of the city centre. And, you know, we have a huge potential there down by the river to develop lovely restaurants. But again, the traffic is the problem. But they're not going uh, to do that, are they, I know Mary? they're because not. When, when it's yeah. when, I mean, that was the whole point of I the know, debate. I know, that was the that whole point of, yeah. of O'Connell Street. But, I mean, if they're going to do it right, that's really what they need to do. And the other thing that they need to do with the opera centre is, as well as just having a load of offices, they really need to have residential. They have to get people back living in the city. That message doesn't seem to uh, register it in City promised, Hall. hasn't it, a certain number of residential in, in, in the opera site, you know, depending on, on what happens. But it's a very difficult one, isn't it, Dave? Because as Gillian says, people, you very easily and quickly get accused of negativity and trying to drag the place down if if criticism appears. Mm. At the same time, is there a sufficient sense of urgency? As I say, we're, we're now into the second decade of the plan. I think there is that sense of urgency, but unfortunately, the, the system, be it the planning system, be it the, the procurement system, be it the political system, they're not able to react or, or progress things as quickly as possibly needs to be. Like they, There isn't one person who can say today, right, on January 4th or 5th, we're going to do A, B and C. There has to be a process. And I think this is being seen elsewhere throughout the country. I, I think personally... Park and ride is something that has to be brought into Limerick as soon as possible. That's a major detraction from the city centre. The the parking situation is not working and 
it's about making everything work together. And at the moment, you have some sectors pushing ahead. Others are slightly behind. Once it all comes together, it'll be phenomenal. But it's not quite there yet. Yeah, I mean, one thing that people sometimes forget is that there's been an absolutely seismic change in the way people lived their lives over the last decade. Ten years ago, people went into shops to buy their products. They do not do that anymore. And the cities that Mary is talking about, they were already pedestrianised ten years ago. I could understand the fears of pedestrianising Limerick when the retail offering is so poor now, currently. Maybe nobody would come in at all. You know, uh, if they weren't even allowed to bring their cars, that could be a very genuine real fear. If it had been done 10 years ago, brilliant, fantastic. I think it would have been the right thing to do. I can understand why the decision was taken. Maybe it wouldn't be the right thing to do now because what you don't want to have is a complete nut or ghost town. But I, I, like David was saying, could they do something to even incentivize even, you know, free parking, whatever? That's why the Crescent is so popular. People have free parking. You know, if there was thinking outside the box a bit yeah. to get people back in, you know. Don't go into Ty Carney's place and talk to him about parking. <laughs> it's the one that he always goes mad about because he says that mm. people are you pointing the finger at that when it's not actually the, the problem. But anyway, I know it's a complicated story for sure. Um, well, uh, thank you very much. We're chatting uh, to Mary Dundon from UL, David Hurley from the Limerick Leader and our own Gillian Devlin. Back after this short break. Right, we're taking a look back at uh, the year that's almost been uh, with Live 95's Gillian Devlin, David Hurley from the Limerick Leader and Mary Dundon from the University of uh, Limerick. And of course, one of the biggest and most positive announcements of uh, the year was that the Ryder Cup golf is coming to Adair Manor in 2026. Here's Colm Hannan, who um, is the CEO of Adair Manor. It's a huge honour and it's a huge task ahead. Fortunately, when we built the golf course, we built it tournament ready. So the infrastructure and everything has been created to cope with and to deal with a tournament of this nature. The focus now for all of us is continuing to refine and improve all of our services, all of the product that we do, and to build on our reputation so that really the goal would be that when the Ryder Cup comes here in 2026, we can be sure that it'll be the best Ryder Cup ever. Obviously, you can do the work here on site. You can't do an awful lot about the infrastructure around the hotel. People are pointing to the fact that the the bypass isn't there yet. It hasn't yet gone to planning. How concerned are you about aspects of like that? No, the bypass is certainly a major issue. And, uh, and there's no question um, having the bypass done would really add to the success factor um, of 2026 being, being the, the great event that we want it to be. So, you know, we would hope now, we know the plans are there, we know that there's a desire there, we would hope that, you know, all the relevant par- bodies and all the relevant ag- agencies will get together and actually make it happen. So that's what we want now. Colm Hannan there, who is the CEO of Adair Manor. And Gillian, you were out there on the day of that announcement. And look, this is a big deal. I mean, you know, it's it really is a big deal. It's absolutely massive. Anybody who's too young to remember when the Ryder Cup was in the K-Club, mm. it was wall to wall. I mean, to the point where if you're not into golf, I got a little bit sick of it <laughs> when that happened. That and won't I, happen on Adair, no, Gillian. It, it won't, but it genuinely won't because it'll be, it's a Limerick thing. And because it's a Limerick thing, no matter how much or how little interest you have in golf, every man, woman and child will be positively affected by the Ryder Cup coming to Limerick. It has tentacles that spread so far. There are already plans in place to develop tourism trails around Limerick, uh, existing ones, and to, to you know further promote them and improve them and all that kind of thing uh, to 
capitalise on the fact that Americans will be coming over before the Ryder Cup to see what it's like. They'll be coming over for it. Um, and then afterwards, because they'll have seen it on TV, there's so much opportunity here. We have no idea the gift, the size of the gift we've been given with this Ryder Cup coming to Limerick. It is one of the top five sporting events uh, in the world, like on a level with things like the uh, Olympics, behind, slightly behind the Olympics, maybe in the World Cup. Um, uh, and there's one or two others in, in there as well in the top five. And the Ryder Cup is one of them. It's humongous. And the Americans love it so much. And look, let's face it, they are part of our, you know, meal ticket here in terms of tourism and everything else. And so much will be done for Limerick to improve. I mean, our government's going to get behind us. We know that because they will want Ireland to look good. The whole country benefits from it being here, but we're going to benefit more than anybody else. And thank you, thank you, thank you to um, all those who voted to bring it there. But that's down to JP and his team, um, what they've done out there, because it is such an amazing place. They do everything to such a highly professional level. It's really not surprising. I mean, Joe, it is it, it is going to put Limerick and Adair on the global map. Again, like Julian, I was out in Adair Manor on, on the day of the announcement and we did all the media stuff and whatever. But in the car park, I met an American gentleman who had been over in Ireland for a three-week golfing holiday. He'd, and he'd been to Royal Port Rush, which was the venue for the Open this year in Northern Ireland. And he was on the phone to someone back in America saying, I've just played the Ryder Cup course. And it had made his holiday. He wasn't talking about the Open. He wasn't talking about about Northern Ireland. He it was only the announcement to be made that morning. He had managed to be by coincidence in Adair that day, and he was beaming. So this means an awful lot to an awful lot of people. It's going to be an unbelievable event for Limerick, and um, we're going to get a taste of it next summer with our with the pro am uh, July sixth and seventh. We're going to get a, a feel for the venue and the course. And this is you can't actually properly describe the significance this would have for Limerick we're going to have the new bypass built of Adair more than likely the pressure is on now as Colm Hannan said in that audio clip for the agencies to come together because Adair Manor has done its bit it's now time for everybody else to do their bit and this has got unbelievable potential Well that's it and of course we're going to see the Adair bypass yeah. as part of the road from Foynes Port mm. connecting up and taking us off up to Dublin and other places Well like Gillian I think this wouldn't have happened without one man, J.P. McManus. And this is a long time in in the making because uh, he's brought all these stars to, to Limerick with the Pro-Am over the years. So we're on the map there. People know us. But as as, you, as Gillian said, he built that course and that hotel to such a standard that, you know, they won it. He lobbied the government. He lobbied internationally. And it wouldn't be there without him. So we have to give full credit there. And the other thing I suppose that's been coming up is they're also trying to get... You know, it could some it could be something that comes into the mix there, and again, that would help the whole tourism thing as well. Yeah, and, and that international element, that American element. You know, I mean, golf is still a game, thankfully, in Ireland and maybe Scotland as well, that can be played, uh, you know, across the social classes, as it were. Not so much in places like the states, but the advantage for us is they have serious moolah and they will come and it's about taking that moolah from them in a very positive way. And, and they will come <laughs> and they will spend some time here. It won't be a fly-in for, for the Ryder Cup weekend and fly out again. It'll probably be a week or two either side of the event and Limerick will benefit from their stay here. Other parts of the country may benefit. So this is going to be absolutely ginormous when it does yeah, happen. As you said, you know, we have the Limerick auctioneers. They're already going around asking people around the day, will they rent their houses? I mean, if you live anywhere 
within 10 miles of it you're into it you're in with a good chance of making a good bit of money if you if you move out for a couple of days well, I, I, I certainly <laughs> spoke to some people in in Northern Ireland they did pretty well for quite a ring outside of Port Rush mm. you know people mm. wanted homes and holiday homes and normal mm. homes and the whole lot and it was good there was good good money going mm. Mm. Yeah, it's just <laughs> the, the dollar signs flashing in people's eyes. But it, but it, it it is more about it's it's about more than money, yes. Joe. I, do, I I think it's also about um, I'm not going to say restoring a sense of pride in Limerick because I think that pride has already been restored. But it's about taking it to another level. I mean, the hurlers did so much for us in 2018, and it just seems like. You know, there isn't the sky's the limit now in terms of where Limerick can go in terms of image and in terms of pride and being able to just wear that everywhere we go. Okay, let's move on. I'm literally looking out the window at the Horizon Mall, and I have been looking at this against the skyline for 12 years. I can't tell you, you know, how depressing it is. It's a monument to failure, and demolishing it now and walking away just confirms what I've always thought. Even if they do demolish it. What happens then? If somebody wants to build a shopping centre there and somebody wants to take a chance with their money, well then, for God's sake, let them do it. What bloody business is it of ours? I just, I can't understand this. Colin McCarthy, man who's always prepared to lay his cards on the table, that is for sure. Well, the Horizon Mall is being demolished and I have to say, just even for myself, at least now when you've got visitors to Limerick and you're driving past and someone goes, oh my God, what's that? You can see it's coming down. It's coming down. At least that's happening. Mm. And then yeah. the planning isn't there for what might come next there. Well, I think the one good thing that happened, Joe, with all of this, and we won't go into the history of it, is that it's no longer going to be a big shopping centre that's going to suck the life out of the city centre. That was the big problem with it. And um, so so that stopped. And if what they're saying they're planning, that it's going to be a mixed residential hotel and, you know, some offices, that's good for the area out there, you know. And I know from UL... They, they really need the accommodation because we've students sleeping on couches and, you know, they just can't get accommodation. So if that goes ahead, it's all good. Mm. That has been a big problem, hasn't it? Yeah, huge yeah. problem, yeah. huge problem. They're just bringing in more students and there isn't enough accommodation. So this could help with it. Yeah. I think as well, Joe, this is, it goes back to something we mentioned earlier. The, the, the planning process here worked and the placing of the site on the derelict site register kind of focused the mind. But the system just took so long um, so the council has done its bit by progressing it to that stage. We've then seen the, the demolition works taking place and the proposed new plans being unveiled in the last few weeks. But So the system worked, but it's just it's too slow. And by the way, front page of the leader today, uh, 200 units planned near Castle Troy Town Centre. It's a massive housing plan uh, for it and uh, talks taking place in the background. Uh, they are near the Munster GA headquarters as well on the Dublin Road um, there. So, Jill, uh, the other thing that happened this year, I mean, there were local elections, obviously European elections, and then we had a, a referendum essentially on whether we wanted a directly elected mayor. So that some other cities, we voted for it. Will we ever see a directly elected mayor, do you think? Well, we're told we will. Um, I have my fingers tightly crossed. I think it'll be a huge, huge egg on the face of the government if we don't get a directly elected mayor here. And I think people in Limerick will be pretty bitter if we don't. Uh, It's going to be very, very interesting uh, that Limerick will be the only place in the country to test this. And, you know, it does show as well a certain level of courage, I think, on the part of Limerick voters and also some of the the people who led the debate 
in Limerick and we heard a lot of it on this programme, the likes of John Moran talking about and we had Dermot Scully who took a slightly different view on it but allowed people to really listen to uh, all the finer details of what it would actually mean. And I am very hopeful that it will allow opportunities to exist for Limerick that we have never had before. But I suppose it does remain to be seen. That that all depends on who decides to stand for the position and who the voters choose. But I think they made a good choice in in, in voting to allow us at least have the possibility of having our own mayor. I mean, Julie makes a good point there, you know, and, and we would say this, wouldn't we? But at the same time, I mean, I went around the count centre, uh, the local and European elections in this plebiscite. I'm just saying to councillors, remember guys, you know, when we're gone, Mark Zuckerberg won't be sending anyone from Facebook to cover this. You know, it, de- it does make a difference when you have local media for things like this, because the Mayor of Limerick thing got no traction nationally. They couldn't care less about it in Dublin. Yeah, absolutely. And as I said, I mean, this programme, the Live 95 News Bulletins, our, our own Limerick leader online and in print, we gave a comprehensive coverage. I mean... And a balanced one, which uh, you won't yeah. always get on Twitter. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and, and again, you know, my colleagues from Live 95, myself, we've been at the Council Centre in, in, the, in the race course for 48, 50 hours straight, and we were still out there at 9 o'clock on the Monday morning because there was an interest in it. Both yourselves and ourselves carried the announcement live on Facebook and social media. So the, the, there was an appreciation of that, and the quality of engagement during the debate was a lot better than I thought it would be. A lot of people across Limerick did engage, city and county. Some of the comments were off the wall, some of them were more relevant, but there was that engagement. There were public meetings in Thomond Park. Um, Senator Maria Byrne, who was the Fianna Gael Director of Elections, had a public meeting, very well attended. So there was a lot of engagement, and I do think that was driven by the local media coverage across all platforms. The problem, I think, uh, you're right there, uh, the national media weren't interested in it because it didn't concern Dublin. And there's there's a lot in that. It didn't get the attention that it deserved. I mean, Cork and Waterford voted to reject it. We were the only ones who went for it. And I think even the political staff in RTE haven't taken an interest in it. Like, the whole big question, as you say now, is, like, what exactly have we voted for? You know, a lot of people don't know what we voted for. They were a bit, they were a bit, uh, you know, uh, weak on the detail. So we don't know, are we voting to allow some fellow who's a load of money to come in and buy the election? You know? Well, the, it's we easy. Well, there, there is, I mean, I mean, parties can nominate, but there is a, a system where somebody with a relatively small number of signatures can get themselves nominated, if I understand it correctly. Um, I think that's in yeah. the in the legislation somewhere. Yeah, um, once you have so, people from the from the from the electoral area or council support, yeah. Yeah. But, but the problem is, you know, it's down then to is there a limit on what you can spend on the advertising and all of that. Now, as far as I know, I don't think there's been a ruling on that. I mean, I, I think it's a good thing. I hope it works well. I hope we get somebody that's good quality that will run and, you know, have the interest of the city at heart. But, like, we don't want a Donald Trump or we don't want someone coming in that has money and just but, sees it as a, as a kind of every, an ego trip. But there's every opportunity because you don't have to yeah. be from Limerick to no, stand. You that's know, what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, you don't. I mean, you could. we could get all sorts of people yeah. standing P- here. Peter Casey made the joke that he'd be standing... Um, the the failed presidential candidate uh, that he might stand for directly elected mayor of Limerick as well. So you just never know.
Look, yeah, I, just to say this gift works thing we've been talking about on the show, um, I'm really just pointing out here, we are getting lots of calls from listeners and um, people onto them saying that we've been talking about gift works um, and um, it appears it's closure at the Parkway Shopping Centre and they're sort of ringing Anne Marie going, well, what should they do and what the answers are? I mean, we're doing our best here, but, you know, it's a matter for gift works in the end. And if they want to talk to us, that's fine. We had Roger Beck from Parkway on with us in the first hour, giving us as much information as he had, but that's limited enough um, as well and we, look, we, we totally sympathise we understand what an appalling time of the year uh, for this uh, to happen to lots of people um, in uh, in Limerick okay well look we could spend the rest of the morning talking about lots of other things that, that happened I suppose we should just mention because it was so dominant the whole way through the year the the, the Brexit thing and like are, are we out the gap Mary or aren't we out the gap or what has actually gone on I, by I, the end of the year I didn't know what was happening No I don't think we're out the gap I think the only thing that's happened is that Donald Trump or that uh, our friend over Boris. across the Boris has got uh, made a decision and they're, they're leaving but I mean we've been so focused on getting the decision no one knows what the deal is going to deliver and our farmers are still in trouble because we, we export so much there a lot of our businesses None of that has been sorted out and Boris doesn't have a great track record in loyalty or anything like that. So I think it's all still up in the air. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think. I mean, there there is a little bit more certainty than there has been for the last 12 months. But now we're focusing on post-Brexit and that brings further uncertainty. But uh, I think it'll happen on January 31st. But what it actually means in reality, we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, I'd be the same. And I just think the personality of the current British Prime Minister as well lends an awful lot of unpredictability to the whole situation as well. Uh, He's not somebody that I think that you can predict what way he'll fall or where his loyalties will lie or what he'll, he'll do. And the fact that he has a very large majority now is a good thing in terms of that kind of certainty. But in another way, just make me wonder. All right. Well, listen, thank you very much to you and to all of your colleagues for all your efforts this year and uh, hope you have a very happy Christmas and New Year. Thank you to Gillian Devlin, our Head of News here, David Hurley of the Limerick Leader and Mary Dundon from the University of Limerick. Thank you, guys. Call Limerick today now on 461995.